your Chargers linebacker, Darren Henley, and you're tuning in with Chargers Unleashed. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Sports, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first student, I'm tuning in the show. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein's face says it all. Dan Wolkenstein, it is time to face facts. It is time for perception to meet reality. And unfortunately, it is time to admit the hard truth. The Los Angeles Chargers are not a good football team. Oh, this one's going to suck. This one's going to suck. This whole week's going to effing suck. I'm eating my feelings. I literally just got back from pickleball trying to smoke that green ball as hard as I can to get all of the stink off of what just happened against the Chiefs. But look, we're going to get into all of it. Wow. Welcome to Chargers Unleashed. We are live. You guys know how this goes. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, things you'd like to bitch about, we're all ears and we're with you on this one. Uh, leave it in the comments and we will get into these. We love doing these live shows because it's a pulse of the fans and the voice of the fans all on display. Uh, for all of us to kind of take part in. And <sighs> I don't even, like, I'm not exaggerating. After that loss, I went to my local ice cream shop. I got like a double scoop. And then immediately afterwards, went to my local taco shop, got a massive burrito, ate my feelings, middle of the night, had heartburn, woke up, felt disgusted. Didn't help. What we saw yesterday was disgusting like that was if the dallas game wasn't embarrassing i mean the Chargers collectively said hold my beer i think what makes it worse is all of us all of us knew what that cheese game would look like what they needed to win, what was most likely going to happen, what they needed to contain. And at least the first half, the defense looked awful. So I don't even know where to start with this. I think, Jake, I honestly think we should kind of start with just some of these comments here and just let them kind of take over. So guys, gals, if you have thoughts, let us know. We're here with you. <sighs> Daniel Bridges. Worried about you. Yeah. See, people are concerned about you, Dan. I thought last week's show was bad. After the Cowboys game, I had never seen that type of look, disgust, and just, you know, take the air out of the balloon that was Dan Wolkenstein last week. In the last two minutes that he has been talking, <laughs> this already has ousted his feelings, what they were last week. I can't and take it. I cannot. I cannot. 
take this type of loss. Like, it's one thing if you get beat by a good team and you played your best, but what the F are we watching? I genuinely don't know what happened to this team. You, you, you know that you, you know that you have done some pretty horrible things if you have managed to knock the eternal optimist that is Dan Wolkenstein off of his pedestal. Charles asks, what's the definition of insanity? Whatever the hell the Chargers are doing these last two weeks, that's the definition of insanity. How about that? How about that? Constantino says, Herbert needs to grow as a leader. I miss Rivers' fire. He screamed at Gates, at LT, and the defense when it was necessary. A true leader. Sure, but if we're being honest, Justin Herbert has been part of the problem these last two weeks. These last two weeks, specifically. I'm not talking about in total. I'm just saying, in these past two weeks, according to his own standards, he hasn't met them. So I agree with the sentiment. But he's not really one to talk these next these two weeks that we just watched. I'll put it there for now. Kapil says, yeah, Jake. Normally you feel like a team can turn things around, but something feels off this season. What say you? <laughs> Dan, th- this team is two plays away from being 0-6. They have not gotten a quality win this season. Even in the games that they have won, they have just managed to still allow the team to to be in the game. And ironically enough, it's been the defense that ended up getting them those wins. It wasn't your offense. Outside of your most competitive game, even in a loss, which you could look at that as the Miami game in week one. Unfortunately, you know, you look at that game in, in hyperbole and you're like, okay, you know, as good as Miami is, you could accept that. Even the Chargers were able to put up some, some good numbers. And then just the weeks progressed from there. The Tennessee loss, I think, is something that really still sticks in the craw of this fan base. Like, there's no reason why you should have dropped that game. And then you get your wins against the Minnesota Vikings and the Raiders again off of defense to win those games. Dan, you tweeted it out because you and I were talking about it earlier. In the last three games that the Chargers have played in the second half, the Chargers have scored a collective 10 points through six quarters in the second half. If we wanted that type of output, why the hell did we get rid of Joe Lombardi? <laughs> because the results are uh-huh. ending up are ending up the same. Oh, I, I don't know what it is. Complimentary football is just a foreign language to this team. They, they cannot put all three facets of football together for a single game. When the offense does something great, the defense will collapse. When the defense wakes up to pull up the offense to go out and make a play, the offense sputters. I just don't understand, especially as you were alluding to there, Dan. Coming off of the Dallas game and what we were talking about after Monday night, and just to say, and even if you take all of the quotes from Kellen Moore, from Brandon Staley, from everybody, just saying, hey, we got to flush this loss. We'll come out. We're going to be better. What the hell was your defensive scheme to play soft coverage against the best tight end in the game and one of the best quarterbacks of this generation to actually give Kansas City their best offensive output that they have had this entire season? And essentially, you did it in the first half. You really didn't even need the second half for that. But then you just completely flip-flop because 
early on, it looks like it's going to be a shootout, 17 all. And then in the second half, you can't find a first down or a positive play offensively to save your life. Kellen Moore for one series goes three runs when your running game outside of the Joshua Kelly 49-yard run didn't do anything for you. What Kansas City does best defensively is tip passes. They have more tip passes than any other defense over the last two years. That's coaching. Of course, That's coaching. And perfectly timed, by the way, Charles Amenahue, who just returned off of suspension, is the one who caused that. Then late in the game, special teams falters because the returning McCall Harmon comes back and makes a big gash on special teams, which has been a unit that's been pretty, if you want to say one bright spot for the Chargers, that unit, especially the way that J.K. Scott was punting the ball yesterday, that was actually something that looked good for a change. This is the problem. This is why this last two weeks span has been horrendous, is the guys that you expect and that you count on have faltered. And it wastes performances like what you saw from J.K. Scott, like what you saw from Cameron Dicker hitting a 55-yard field goal. When's the last time we saw that happen? Joshua Palmer went five receptions for, what, 133 yards? No one's talking about that, nor should we. Darius Davis citing, hey, they're doing something with him. No one's talking about it because the first half, the Chargers are cheeks on defense. They have given Travis Kelsey everything. And Kelsey literally, single-handedly, beat you as a Chargers team. And you knew it was coming. And I don't care if it's zone or man. I don't care if it's press or not. You don't let that happen. And it happened over and over again. There were two times where Kelsey goes off. One was them, One of them was for that long they have a long catch and run. Next play, touchdown. That was on third down, by the way. Then I believe the next series, Kelsey again, third down. Next play, touchdown. Travis Kelsey was on pace for like 600 yards at one point in that game. And the offense was okay in the first half. I thought that they were pretty aggressive. I thought that they were throwing deep shots, which was good. You saw a Quentin Johnston catch. Oh my gosh, are we going to? Nope. Ghosts after that. And then you get to the second half. And I think this is what blows my mind is Jake, this charges defense for how bad it was in that first half. Like they finally made some adjustments. Why it took them 30 minutes to do so blows my mind, but they did holding Kansas city to four straight drives ending in zero points. And what do the Chargers offense do? Jack shit. Like, that was awful. There was one series, three straight run plays, because that's smart. Nobody knows what they're doing on offense. And it just looks uninspired, unintelligent. I don't know what happened to Kellen Moore. I don't know why they decided to not go back to Darius Davis. I don't know why Justin Herbert and or Kellen Moore only look at one side of the field. I don't get it. Where are the easy manufactured run plays? doesn't have to be a run. It could be a manufactured run. 
Let's do a screen. Let's do a drag. Let's do a crosser. Let's do a slant. Something that makes this defense question what they're doing. And yet they did it over and over. And then the one drive, the one drive, they get down the red zone, of course, blows up in the air, interception. Of course, Eric Hendricks gets called for that pass interference in the end zone, which is such a BS call. But we knew that was happening in this. It always happens in Chiefs games. This ship has so many holes and is sinking quickly because of so many reasons. You can't just point at one thing. You can't say, oh, it's the defense that sucks. Or, oh, it's the offense. Or, oh, it's special teams. Or, oh, it's coaching. Or, oh, it's the roster. Or, oh, it's injuries. It's all of it. And on top of it, the guys that are making the biggest checks aren't worth it right now. They're just not. They are not living up to the paychecks that they earn. I'm sorry. That was a rant. I apologize. I'm in my feelings right now. Go ahead, Jake. Whoops! <laughs> Bookmark it, baby. That's one of the most emotional rants that Dan Wolkenstein has ever made on this show. Actually, I should asterisk that. Negative rants. Because he can get in a positive rant for days and days and days. But when you have driven Dan Wolkenstein to this level, and again, I said it on Monday that it was a little bit bittersweet just because Dan's finally just getting his nails and his grips into that reality. This is what you get. This is the outcome. <laughs> this, this is Dan Wolkenstein today. And I truly do not know if we are going to get the optimist Dan Wolkenstein back for the remainder of this season. So hold on tight. <laughs> like, what is happening? I get Corey Lenz is a big deal. Reality check comes in here with a comment. We can't block. Yeah, this offensive line is broken. And when they do block, what, what are we doing? What play calls are we doing? Like, it blows my mind how bad the offensive line looks. And not necessarily all game, but in the biggest moments. And that's the part that this team can't find a way to fix, Jake, is they blow it in the big moments. They crumble under pressure. Aside from the Asante Samuel Jr. interception, and aside from the Eric Kendricks forced fumble, Show me a defensive stand in that first half. You won't find it. Won't find any. Again, the defense played pretty darn good in that second half, all things considered. Yeah, there were some stupid-ass plays, that picket fence that gave Patrick Mahomes the first down on the run, like third and 16. Insane. But still, they ended up forcing a punt that drive, so no harm, no foul. Where is Joey Bosa? Where is Derwin James? Where is Michael Davis? In this game, where was Khalil Mack? In this game, where was Thule? I think he had one play. Eric Kendricks looked pretty good. I think Dean Marlowe had a pretty solid game. The Chargers stars went dim. In back-to-back games against good teams. And that's what it boils down to at this point, Jake. Largely, 
over Brandon Staley's tenure. I would say Miami game excluded. Chargers don't beat good teams and they're competitive against average or below teams. So what does that make them? Until they show otherwise, what does that make them? Exactly. Exactly. And it sucks sitting in this chair and having to listen to the mainstream and all of the talk and all of the rhetoric that goes out about this franchise. Dan said it on Monday, on Tuesday's show. They've done this to themselves, and that's collectively. There is so much blame to go around as it relates to where this team is sitting today at two and four. Herbert bears responsibility. Offensive line bears responsibility. The lack of the run game bears responsibility. Coaching, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, everything alike bears responsibility right now. Real quick, Jake. Jeremy L. says Herbert isn't guarding Kelsey. No shit, but Herbert also isn't throwing touchdowns. And he's missing guys. He's throwing picks. He's missing progressions. He's not coming up large when he needs to this season. He's just not. And that's okay to admit. Doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. It means he's in a funk right now, and he's not performing to the $50-plus million contract that he has. That's not false. That is a fact. If you want to talk about Justin Herbert this game, 17 to 30, 47.4 QBR. So miss me with the, it's not Justin Herbert's fault in this game. It absolutely is some of his fault. No question. Yeah, from that, I want to jump to some, I don't know if it's a weird disconnect or discourse or whatever it is, but you have Rand Staley at the podium talking yesterday in terms of the coverage played in Kansas City. Don't mind me. I'm going to be eating a chocolate bar because it's going to keep me from saying stupid stuff tonight. So I apologize. I'll mute while I'm chewing. Dan is not Dan Wolkenstein when he's hungry. Uh, Anyways, Staley's asked questions about the coverage that was played in the first half and basically just alluding to why did you play so much zone? And And Staley kind of turned it around and said, no, 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 we played man coverage. And then Michael Davis is asked later in the locker room about this, virtually the same question. And Michael Davis says, well, we played zone in the first half. What's happening? Either, either nobody knows the coverage they're running or there's something else going on in the locker room. I don't know what it is, Dan. And I get the message just as a group, as a unit, what Brandon Staley has to say for this next week in terms of moving on, going to the next game, trying to get this team aligned and correct. And the players are in the same way. As Derwin said, you have to flush these six games and basically saying, try to do something to say that you're going to go on a run. To me, this is kind of that old saying where if someone shows you who they are, believe them. You're you're six games in. You've registered six games with multiple trends, both offensively and defensively, that are not good. And I'm sorry to say, and I know that the Chargers do this every year where they find some part of the season where they get they're able to string three or four wins together. But Dan, look, this is their this is the Chargers' remaining schedule on the season. 
Mm. This coming Sunday night football, they were playing against the Chicago Bears. I said it to you. Does anybody guarantee, even with an undrafted free agent quarterback for the Chicago Bears who just won his first game this past week defeating the Raiders, does anybody think that it's not possible that he could lead the Chicago Bears to beat this team the way that they're playing right now? Who knows? After Chicago, you get the New York Jets, which we know what they are about. And when it comes to good defenses, the Chargers have not been able to put anything together. Regardless of who's at quarterback, regardless of how nullified that offense may be now that Aaron Rodgers is not there, defensively, they could take that over. I'm talking about the New York Jets. Next to the Detroit Lions. You know what they're about outside of their fumble in Baltimore yesterday. They can put up points. Can the Chargers contend with them the way that their offense is playing right now? You then have Green Bay after that, Baltimore after that, New England, for whatever you want to say about Mac Jones, is probably accurate, but Bill Belichick is still a damn good defensive coordinator, and his defense still comes to play every week, regardless Just beat of what the his Bills. offense does. Just beat the Bills. Then you get your divisional games, two in a row, Denver and the Raiders. Remember, the Raiders almost beat you, and Max Crosby feasted in that first game. I wouldn't put it past it that just don't don't automatically think that that's going to be a win. Divisional games for the Chargers are always tough. And, I, and I, 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 you said the Raiders real quick. Yes. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people talking about this Chargers team and, oh, you know, the players, the, you know, they're quitting or they don't believe in the team. And, like, go look at what Max Crosby is doing on a horrendously organized Raiders team. Do you think that that guy is giving up, calling it quits? regardless of what the scheme is around him. You can say what you want. You can give all the excuses you want. It's up to these players. And compare and contrast Max Crosby and Joey Bosa right now. And go look at how much each of those guys are making. Anyways, moving on. Then you get week 16, Buffalo Bills. Week 17, once again, Denver Broncos. And then, of course, you finish against your arch nemesis, the Kansas City Chiefs. And Dan, I'm not saying that just to take up every one of those games as an L. But what I'm talking about now is you've got six games under your belt. And even the wins that you have are extremely close, two plays away from being losses. This sample size through six games, what translates from that to tell you that all of a sudden that they're going to go on this run and somehow make a playoff push in a contended AFC? And in my opinion, I, I don't see it. I, I Unfortunately, I don't see it. And it's really lame to talk about those type of thoughts sitting here at the end of October when you'd like to be in contention and be talking about the playoffs and have this good conversation string out to the end of December. Dan, I mean, I mean, what proof do we have? You're confident enough that you say that you have this team finishing nine and eight. 
I still don't think that that's good enough for the playoffs in the AFC. So I think that they would end up missing it with the nine and eight record. But show me, show me something. Give me some positive light. Give anybody any positive thing that you could hang your hat on right now to tell you that next week is going to start a run. And this team is going to be able to contend with any one of those teams that I, I laid out for you. Most notably ones, obviously, Green Bay and Chicago, you would probably lean more towards the W. But all those other ones? I don't. It's just it's just insane. It's insane. Uh, Nick says, let's get through some of these comments real quick so we can catch up. Nick says, and there's a ton of these, so I'm going to try to go a little rapid fire here with you, Jake. Uh, Nick says, seems like it's easy to blame the offensive coordinator. He's talking about Kellen Moore. Maybe the problem is not the offensive coordinator. I don't think it's just Kellen Moore's fault. The thing about the, the, thing about the Chargers right now is that there are multiple problems. There is not just one problem. The offensive line sucks. Justin Herbert's in a funk. They're not using the speed and some of the weapons that they have. Their run game is not existent. They don't have a center. Quentin Johnston isn't being used at all. They're running it three straight times. They're scoring zero points in the second half. It's a collective bleep show at this point on that side of the ball. And I'm not necessarily saying that he is part of the problem, right? That he's part of the, I mean, I think that he could still be part of the solution, but right now he's not. Like the offense over the last, what, three weeks? has gotten worse and worse and worse. Whose fault is that? You're going to blame Brandon Staley for that too? Like, is that, I mean, he bears some blame. Absolutely. At the end of the day, like he, oh, he calls the shots. It's his team. But like, he took accountability at the podium after that game yesterday. Who else did? I don't know. Robert asks Jake, what are the chances both Staley and Telesco are gone after the season? Tired of seeing another embarrassing performance after another. It's like watching the same episode after another. I totally understand the last part of this right here. We've seen this movie before. Dan, I was sitting right next to a buddy of mine watching the Chargers game yesterday when it was third and 18 for the Chiefs. I looked to him and I said, watch what's going to happen right now. The Chiefs are going to convert this one way or the other. And the fact that it happened on a Patrick Mahomes scramble was just so fitting. But we, as a fan base, anybody who watches this team long enough, you know what's going to happen. When we drive things down to the wire, there's a reason I say I call the cardiologist for having to come over and watch, and, and watch me on Sundays because collectively, as a fan base, our blood pressure goes through the roof having to watch this team. It seems like it's been decades that this team has been in way too many one-score games. There, there, was that not, stat, there was that stat, Jake. The last 10 seasons, 99 games, they've been in one-score games. 99 times. Yeah. Most, That's wild. Most in the NFL. That's a wild stat. 56 <laughs> losses, also the most in the NFL. Getting to the first part of this question. And in general, I don't like talking about this outcome 
at this point. What I can tell you is, will the Spanoses move on from Staley midseason? No, they will not do that. They they have never been that organization, so I understand that everybody who is clamoring for that, don't hold your breath. It's not happening in that time frame. However, what I did say after the debacle in Jacksonville and after it was reported that Brandon Staley was coming back, I did say that if the Chargers were not able to succeed this season, that Staley and Telesco's fates should be intertwined. And that if you did not end up making the playoffs, that it was probably a good idea to consider a number of changes from the front office down. I've been on record. This team needs to make the playoffs and get to at least the divisional round. I don't think there's, I don't even think that's a hot take. I think if that does not happen, I don't foresee the Chargers keeping either of them. Now, one of the questions I was going to ask you, Jake, is, you know, you, it's they're two and four. It's a bad football team right now. Are these stars overrated? Hmm. Hmm. Talent only takes you so far, Dan. But even that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm legitimately saying that. Talent only takes you so far. Dan, we've been talking about the Chargers being a talented football team, one of the most talented football teams in the league for almost 20 years. But are the, they? That's what I'm saying is, are they even as talented as we think? Is there talent on their team? Yes. Is it playing up to what they should be playing like? No. And of course, there is intangibles in all of this because it's just it's it's a weird transition to see what the biggest problem of this Chargers defense was last year in the run game to then flip it all the way over into the secondary where they now have the league's worst pass defense in the league. And again, defensively, collectively, they just can't seem to get into even the midpoint, Dan. Like we said in the offseason, if you just get us to the middle of the pack collectively as a defense, then this offense can work and it could take you places. But the Chargers can't even get there. And I don't see any adjustments being made. So regardless of what you want to say about talent and overrated stuff, I, I get all that. If you want to say that they haven't lived up to expectations because of the name that's on the back of the jersey and the price tag that's in the, the bank account, yeah, I'll go with you on that. Like I said, talent only takes you so far. But you, 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 you look at that intangible factor. Is Patrick Mahomes still Patrick Mahomes if Andy Reid is not the helm? And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes would not be a good quarterback. I'm simply saying that would he be this dynamic elite player that was basically given full autonomy to run his offense in a schoolyard playground manner to basically improvise anything with his Hall of Fame tight end? Would any other coach allow their quarterbacks to do that? I don't know any other coach that allows them to do that. But my point is, it's putting your best players 
in position to win and what they do best to go out and make a contribution to your team. That is what the great coaches do with their players. And that is why those quarterbacks are at the top of the list. Tony Franco asks, why are the corners playing 10 yards off the ball? I don't understand. Me neither. You would have thought that that lesson would have been learned after Dak Prescott goes 11 for 11 when targeting C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks when you play soft coverage. But apparently that lesson wasn't learned when you're going up against the best tight end in the league. There's a couple things that are given when you go up against the Chiefs. Like, number one, Travis Kelsey's going to eat if you let him. Number two, Patrick Mahomes like a god. Like, the guy is just incredible. Like, you have to give him credit in that respect. Like, he is that good. And number three, with that, they live in the extension of plays. Almost all of their biggest productive plays come when they're extended, when it's broken down, when they're just playing backyard football. And this is like Chiefs preparation 101. And what I saw, especially that first half, is the Chargers secondary and linebackers at times they're in coverage just stopped. Like they just stopped covering. And it was then when Kelsey kept getting open. It was then when guys like Nicole Harmon at the end got open. It's then when when she gets, like, it just, it blows my mind. And I'm sure, like, I genuinely think, I I, I honestly think, there's, like, there's no way this coaching staff did not talk about this leading up to this game. Like, there's just no way. But how those players and coaches did not get on the same page and did not execute that, and then to continue to not execute that when they saw it happening to them in that first half is so crazy to me. So crazy. Kapil says, yeah, the vibe of the Chargers felt different this week. Like the belief was gone. I don't think he was wrong. Tony says, Jake, is Austin Eckler's age showing with all the injuries? Do you think it's, do you think it's age? I don't know if you could pinpoint that. Uh, we know how tough Austin Eckler is. He's pound for pound. One of the toughest guys on this team. I think it's a, I think it's a compliment of a lot of things. The Chargers offensive line outside of the Joshua Kelly run, just just look at it. Even since Austin Eckler has been back, they have not they have not been able to run block at all. And the biggest reason on why the one of the, maybe you could say one of the biggest reasons that the Chargers offensive uh, is sputtering right now is because defenses are loading the box and they know that if they need to rush, they only need to rush four and they're still going to be able to crash through. So. You take it from daring Justin Herbert to beat you with his arm or you're going to load the box to run. Regardless, the Chargers are losing in the trenches, which is affecting the entire offense. So whether it's taking away the run game and the Chargers are faltering to a, a uh, falling behind where they can't even utilize it anymore, which at that point, 
you want to put it in the hands of the guy who can give you the best chance to win. Regardless of what we think about Justin Herbert, he's still the best chance for this team to win as it stands right now. And make, but, no, mis- and make no mistake, like everyone listening to Jake and I right now, like we're pissed for good reason. But don't get it twisted. Justin Herbert is still a top five quarterback. Justin Herbert is still the franchise quarterback, and he is an excellent player. He's Period. not playing like it, though. He, Bingo. And that's okay to admit. That is okay to admit, and he would say the same thing. Atticus says, nobody looked like they were having fun playing football. I wasn't having fun watching it either. <laughs> not going to lie. Brad says, Herbert will snap out of it and go savage mode. We got people talking about Jim Harbaugh in here. Jake, thoughts on him? Michigan's under the cheating investigation right now. I don't know how how slam dunk I would consider that as an option right now. Look, I, I, I know that we're all up in our feelings about right now about the next head coach. Don't know who all is going to be available for that right now. So, again... Buckle up and and enjoy, try to enjoy <laughs> the little pieces that you can of this season. I, ge- I genuinely believe, and I think this is the right decision. I don't think that they make a coaching change or anything like that until they're eliminated from the playoffs. I think they're going to let this play out this season. Give Staley and company what they gave, what they told them they were going to get. This is year three. When that mathematical elimination sets in, if it sets in, I hope it doesn't. But if we get to that point, then I think something happens. And is it again, like we're pissed off right now. But to put it in perspective, they're two and four. They've got 11 games left. There's still a lot of football ahead of them. And we've seen worse than two and four make the playoffs before. It could still happen. Like this team theoretically could get their mojo back. I don't know what their mojo is, but they could get their mojo back. They can go on a run. They could win, you know, seven, eight games. Make the playoffs. All this is like a crazy horror nightmare that is no more. Go into the playoffs, riding a high, just like they did last year. Like it could happen. But they've got to like they've got to start doing something. And I asked this to to you, Jake, and to to everyone watching, listening. Like, let me know what you guys think. I asked this on on X yesterday, like genuinely, and I want honest answers here. Like, what do you think that this Chargers team can do tactically to turn this season? around like like sure oh you know justin herbert can be better well no shit like we we know that but like what needs to change that can improve this team and turn this season's team around you're asking the question to me the easiest thing that you can do is you have to find a way to first of all do what you said you were going to do in terms of utilizing the entire field because right now, the trends for defense 
that doesn't seem like that needle is going to move in a positive direction right now. Okay, so that's out. So how do you improve as an offense? Well, obviously, number one, your pass blocking needs to be a hell of a lot better. If Corey Lindsley is able to return, there's been no indication of that. Hopefully, from a health standpoint, he is okay. And I don't know any semblance or indication of saying that he is going to come back this year. But if he does, it's proven how much the Chargers need him. So even if you don't end up getting him back, why did you spend two draft picks on Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis to add the speed element that we talked about that this team was missing last year (laughs) when you passed on a wide receiver in 2022, and yet you draft two guys to fill that void in 2023. And somehow, collectively, whether it's scheme or it's your quarterback simply not looking in the direction How do you change that? I understand how good Keenan Allen is and why if anybody was going to throw to anybody to say, who do I need in a crunch time situation on third and 12 to catch me the ball? 10 out of 10 times, everybody should be saying Keenan Allen because he's proven it. But you have to learn to trust these young players. Even if the original plan was to develop and bring along Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis progressively throughout the season, things have changed. Even if they fail, let them fail. Look what happens with rookie quarterbacks. You just throw them out there. Trial by fire. The void of Mike Williams is so felt for this offense right now. It is amazing what his impact has done because I personally thought, given Kellen Moore and how I believe that he game planned offensively and having to overcome things in certain situations, even in Dallas, when he lost certain players, I felt that he could game plan by committee and what he told this fan base in terms of what this offense was going to be that you could say, okay, I could take a group of guys by committee to fill that Mike Williams void. And unfortunately, partly on him, partly on Justin Herbert, That has not come to fruition because it's Keenan Allen, it's Joshua Palmer, it's Gerald Everett. Unfortunately, there has to be more than that because opposing defenses can easily take each one of those guys away like that. You need to make defenses think about covering somebody else. And the Chargers offense just is not doing that. Reality check says Herbert needs to be a leader before this team can go anywhere. Jake, do you question Justin Herbert's leadership? I mean, look, if, if we're going to, if we're just simply going to question leadership and compare it to, to Philip Rivers, for example, because he was a guy who yelled on the sidelines or got fired up and the camera would go to him every time, you know, every time that he got fiery, I think there's different different levels of leadership now. Do I think that he has to step up and be a leader? Yes, I do. But just because he's not getting fired up does not mean that that is a, a sign of not being a leader. So let's just quantify that properly. I think that you've heard it from all of the players, hey, especially the defensive players that had talked about how Herbert had stepped up in the offseason. 
I think I think that he's there. Does he need to do more from his own standpoint in terms of play to carry this team? That to me is something that I'm more that I'm worried about more. I'm not worried about Justin Herbert's leadership standards right now. I'm worried about what I've seen from a play aspect of him since injuring his finger and his play in the Dallas game and the Kansas City game. That's what I'm worried about. That's what he takes accountability for. If there's one thing, and I said this on Tuesday, last Tuesday, if there's nothing that we knock Justin Herbert for, you understand how much he takes a weight on his shoulders when it comes to taking L's and when he has bad performances like this. Does he need to bounce back? Yes, he does. Do I think we are going to get that semblance of the Justin Herbert back this year? It's going to be rocky considering what he has to work with. But in terms of the drive and motivation that he has for himself, I don't think that anybody can question that. But this is why it's not just, it's not, he can't do it all by himself, unfortunately. And it takes coaching and it takes an offensive line and it takes weapons and it takes a game plan to collectively go out as 11 guys to beat somebody. And yes, it starts with Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert needs to play better. Jake, this is going to be music to your ears. This was some questions. HH4. With the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select. First well, pick, a little much. But, Jake, have you crossed into that threshold? Have you started thinking about draft picks? Sure. Team needs? Sure. Is there's there a guy or is there a guy or two that you're like, ooh, dog, give me a round one? Up. There's plenty of them. Number two, HH4. Unfortunately, the Chargers will not have the first round pick in the 2024 draft. Would you get Caleb Williams? No, I would not get Caleb Williams. No, no. If it was, if the Chargers got the first round pick or first pick, one, they better trade out of that. Two, Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers. Hello, Brock Bowers would be nice. I've been looking at Brock Bowers for a year now. I would love that because the Chargers are essentially going to have four tight ends that aren't going to be signed to this roster next year. What are you going to do on top of four huge contracts that you're going to have to figure out how to deal with when you're in salary cap hell next year? Right now, the Chargers sit with the number nine pick. Ugh. But no, they won't have the first pick. All right, so people have answers for what the Chargers team needs to do. Um, Leandre says, get one and 12 involved, please. You're nailing it, Jake. Yes, Darius Davis and Quentin Johnson. Why the hell they are not using Quentin Johnson blows my mind. HH4 says, cut ties with the malcontent Eckler. There have been a lot of kind of rumblings about like, should the Chargers become sellers? And who would they sell? Eckler could be one. Two Cardinals says, to turn the season around, open up the offense, wide receiver screens, deep ball, multiple receivers, not just Allen. I'm all about that. Yes, please. Chev says maybe QJ is just not o- not open. Not true. Go back and watch that game against the Chiefs. He was open. There were like three or four where he was wide open and he didn't even get looked at. Corey says the biggest thing outside of coaching will be the players playing hard and for each other. Players hustling, playing smart with passion. This team just needs to be collecting a check. 
I look. I I will say this right now in terms of this question. I want to make thing something clear. Do I believe that the highest paid players on this team actually give a damn about what's happening right now? One hundred percent, they do. I I truly believe that based off of their character and what they have shown from a team camaraderie standpoint previously. But you look at a guy who this fan base really gave it to for three years straight in Kenneth Murray, who is essentially playing for a contract because his contract is up after this season. Shout out to K-9. One of the bright spots of this defense and is basically shut everybody up from what the discussions were. About Would you ever have thought that you'd be like praising Kenneth Murray and down on Derwin, Mike Davis, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, like the run defense, honestly, interior linebackers. Like that's been, that's been a bright spot. Don't look now. They're a top 10 rush defense right now. I'm not talking about the off the passing defense, but rushing, Top 10. <laughs> what world are we living in right now? This is so weird. <sighs> okay. Um, Tony says, put me on the team. I'll be a rah-rah guy and warm the beds for free. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's a question here. Over or under, Brandon Staley breaks out from here and has a coach of the year candidate type coach performance. Not sure if that how that be. Talking about what out of this out of this slump that the Chargers are in, or are you talking about going elsewhere? No, here. I think he's saying this year. I don't know what the over under is, but will he or will he not? Yeah, whatever whatever the line is, I'm unfortunately I'm I'm hitting the under. And again, you could believe in him. You could believe that he has what it takes. But if you're just Solely looking at the facts. He shaved the beard today. Did he? I didn't see that. Apparently he shaved the beard. Did Justin? Did we see that? I don't know about Justin. I, I, I can't remember who it was that tweeted. I, I don't know if it was Fernando or who it was, but they basically said that the Chargers press conference just started. Brand, the beard is gone for Brandon Staley. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nick asks, what happened to Mike Davis? He's horrible. I Like, I... I think it's twofold. I think one, I think he's being used wrong. He is much better in press man coverage with help over the top. He's quick enough to catch up, but he's always playing off. Like he's not quick. That's not his game. That's Asante's game. If you're going to play off man coverage, I'd rather it be Asante. Why they're both doing it blows my mind. So, Jake, <laughs> where do we go from here? Like, I, 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 I feel like we've we've already said this question, Dan, three times on this show. Once, obviously, was last week after the Dallas debacle, and then the first time was when the Chargers started zero and two to start this season. How many times are I, I thought that it was an interesting quote too that Brandon Staley said today when he says we need to reset, which could be 
construed in a few different ways, depending on who's listening. Because if this is fan base, reset means something to them. (laughs) If it's to the team and to the players, obviously it means something completely different. It aligns, obviously, with what Derwin James was saying in terms of we got to flush these six games out and we basically just have to start from ground zero and try to build ourselves up. Hey, that's admirable. If you're able to do it, great. Unfortunately, nobody has seen any signs of that happening. This team has yet to get a quality win against a quality opponent. And even in the wins that they currently have, it's not even that convincing to tell you that they're going to be able to go on this stretch of a harder schedule than we originally thought it was prior to the season. And somehow, this is going to bring us to player uh, to playoff contention. I don't, even, I, I don't think that whether Corey Lindsley comes back, Jalen Guyton or, or Tito returning to this team, I, I don't know. I can't say that that would even be enough Really? Chargers make a move at the trade line? Who knows? I don't know who they would possibly trade for. There's a number of positions that you could to obviously get better. But I I really don't know, Dan. It is a huge question mark right now. And it's like the question mark is just teetering on just like collapsing downwards. It's really that close. Because yes, mathematically, are the Chargers still in this? Yes, they are. But the perception is the reality now. Everything that we've seen, whether you're looking at stats, whether you're looking at it just as a casual observer, this Chargers team has underperformed. And as we sit right now on October 23rd, they are not a good football team and they are not a contender for the playoffs. Brian Scott, shout out. Thanks for the contribution. I had a dream. Del Mar Racetrack shuts down, and in its place, Jeff Bezos, the new Chargers owner, builds a stadium there. That's ambitious. <laughs> There's a lot of ifs there. Yeah. But appreciate. That's a hell of a dream. That's a hell of a dream. That is a hell of a dream. Uh, let's see. Lots of people are talking about the Chargers trading some of their stars. She's just going to be tough. And even if they do, what are they going to get back in return? Right. Because it's going to, it's going to be got today. Will they get a fifth and a six for that? And that guy's a stud. The pick that you got back in the JC Jackson trade, which again, a lot of people were shocked that you were even able to trade that contract that you still have to eat dead money for, but a huge contract like that, even if you're able to move it is going to get you a minimal return. That's the trade-off. So it's it's most likely not going to happen in terms of if we're thinking the big four contracts for this team. All right, we're rounding out here. We might go another 10 or 15 minutes or so that we'll uh, end this one. Uh, appreciate all of you for kind of listening to some of our gripes and also taking part in this. We're all in this together. Demetrius asks, is it bad to say that even if the Chargers beat the Bears... I still won't be excited till they prove and show some consistency. No, it's not. No, no, No. because that's not, that's not a quality win. You could say, okay, yes, that's good for the win column. Is the Jets a quality win? 
I, I think when you go up against that defense, it's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. Yeah, it's a good team. But again, it's it's just to say it, the the biggest problem with this team has been consistency and complementary football. Right. If it beat because the Bears, beat the Jets, like okay, like that. That's yeah. been something that has been non-existent through six games with this team thus far. And until you're able to string together quality wins, then you could start getting that sense of confidence back. GR says Popper, which I don't know if he's alluding to me being Daniel Popper, which I'm not, but Popper, what do you think of Staley? He rather choosing to be friends with the players instead of putting that fire on all the players. I don't see that hunger like other teams have. I'm over Staley. Dake, what say you? Yeah. Do you think he's trying to be friends too much? No. And I, <laughs> and I say that based off, look, I have watched training camps with Brandon Staley. And I have watched training camps with Norv Turner. I can collectively tell you that regardless of what you think about him, Brandon Staley's training camps have been much more intense. Yes. Andrew, I would be fine either way. Either we make the playoffs or miss the playoffs for a rebuild. What do you guys think? I had too much high hopes before the season started, but it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's how he said it, but that's how it feels. Like, it just looks like this is just like, put me out of my misery. I don't even, I don't know what to do. It's true. Uh, El Chief Jeebus. To see Dan get super upset and frustrated with his team last pod, and Jake always laying it on the table like Matt Money Smith does, makes me feel a bit better. You are not alone. Also, head coach Jim Harbaugh season. (laughs) Again. Pump the brakes on a Harbaugh for right now. There is a few waves that have to crash before you can even consider him as a possibility. Jeremy L says, thanks for letting us vent on here. HH4 says, in order to get better talent, I think losing is best for the future. We're talking draft order, I guess. Sure. Well, if that's the case, then why are the Chiefs so damn good every single year and have been for the better part of a decade? How did the Patriots build a 20-year dynasty being at the bottom half of the draft every single year? It's not just about losing. A tier says, Chargers are not winning in the playoffs if they get in. So who do you want as the new GM? I want the Chiefs assistant GM or Eagles assistant GM. Have you even thought about GM options yet? No. Me neither. I, I mean, honestly... There's a list that you would probably go on, and when we were when we go back to think of what the days were like when it was AJ Smith, and then decisions to come to Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco, virtually at that point, you know, obviously he was an indie. But does anybody remember the list of the GMs that were available at that point in time? I don't. And this, and it would just be interesting to see because of the direction that the Spanos family took in order to acquire Staley to pair with Telesco. What would be your vision in this circumstance? There's a lot of ways that the Chargers could possibly go in this circumstance if it ultimately ended up to that. But I would assume that anybody would basically come in, the pitch would be, hey, how the hell are you going to make this team from a personnel standpoint worthy of contending in the playoffs? Corey says, also, thank you guys for being honest about this team. So many other podcasts spew the BS, hopeful stuff, and what is good. I respect your honest takes and passion 
on the atrocity that we call this Chargers. Look, like I, I am a positive guy, and I try to stay optimistic when I can. And there were some things that were positive to take from that game. Like, there were. And we talked about them briefly. We talked about Joshua Palmer, J.K. Scott, Cameron Dicker, Joshua Kelly. Like we, we talked about those. We talked about the run defense. The second half defense is pretty good. Like there are positives, but there's no way in hell you can take that game and say, "Well, silver lining." Like, yeah, you went up against you went up against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the worst you've looked against that team in three years. <laughs> that was the best game the Chiefs have had offensively this year. Great time for it. <sighs> Jeremy says they're not beating the Jets. Cool. I, I don't blame you for thinking that way based off of what we've been shown. Eddie says if they put up 28 ish on the Jets, that's a pretty good win. Like that's a tall tale to get 28 points on New York. Mar- Martinez? Martinez Jimenez? The way they are playing makes absolutely no sense except that it's scripted. <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 in this entire fan base's minds, we know the script. We've seen this horror movie for the better part of 20 years. We know what's coming. We know exactly what's coming. So if you're saying that they're following the script to the T in that circumstance, then yes, it is scripted. Andrew says, players still having nightmares from the Jaguars loss? Question mark? Lord, LOL, have mercy. Yeah, have mercy. Uh, For folks who are just entering the chat, please... Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Also, my daughter wants to make an appearance. Come here. Come here. Let's talk Chargers together. Come here. Come here. Want to say hi? You t- tell them what you think about this Chargers team. What do you think? Do you say go Chargers? Dada. Yeah. Let's go. Say let's go. Can you say let's go? Dada. There we go. Good enough. Okay. Thank you, honey. Look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this Chargers team needs to be better. Like they just have to be better. There's no question about it. And that's players, that's coaching staff, that's GM, the water boyer gal, like everybody. There is no cohesion. When the offense does well, the defense sucks, vice versa. When they both do great special teams and atrocity, they just don't have any semblance of cohesion and no consistency and no complimentary football. That's three C's. Cohesion, consistency, complimentary football. People are talking about bringing Bill Belichick in. Honestly, I don't know if he would make this any better. He already signed. They already said that he signed that contract. Even if he didn't, even if he didn't, like that's kind of an old. That's like the old era. I, I don't know. I mean, two years ago, I'd been like, oh hell yeah, like all he's right. been we, doing wonders for Mac Jones. Yeah, maybe he taught him how to do the gritty. Who knows? <sighs> Look, this is tough. This is tough. People are talking about getting the Spanos family out. Demetrius says, I understand Telesco isn't Howie Roseman, but I have to believe there's had to have been some run. Some home run hit trade-like moves could be passed up on Freud. Look, I, I, I don't disagree with this. I think that there are certain moves that maybe the Chargers should have looked at. I mean, at any point, I mean, now you're just, now we can go back years and look at any one of those scenarios. There's plenty of moves that, us sitting as armchair GMs could totally make. I don't know how many times that we said it, 
before the draft that the Chargers needed a blocking tight end or that the Chargers needed to add a little bit more safety depth before the season started. Those have come back to really bite them in a weird way right now. So there's plenty that you could do that for, I'm sure, for every team. Would Would I have wished that the Chargers would have called up the Jets for McCole Hardman? Yeah. For that contract and a low risk move like that, and you allowed him to go back to your division and then rivals, just see sure what he does against them. Sure, yeah, sure. It's easy to take those away like that, and I'm not discrediting it. I'm not saying that it's not true, but he's not the only one that's missing out on opportunities like that. But you look at some of the moves and just like what Philly has just been doing, and what Kansas City continues to do. Hell, even just through the draft. This is why they are the two best teams, maybe outside of San Francisco, because San Francisco is right there, too, when it comes to building a good football team. But again, it's a perfect storm with all those three, because it's personnel, it's drafting, it's free agent moves, and it's coaching. Speaking of Niners, Tara says, Vikings are up 19-7 on the Niners. That win looks better. I don't think it does. Not so much. Not so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even in, even in a game where Justin Herbert went off for 400 yards, you still almost lost the game by this much. I don't know how Jeez. much better that looks. Jeez. Um, Tony asks, should we have waited till the end of the season to pay Herbert? No, no, Thank you. I <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, do you think that people were asking that question about Joe Burrow when his team started the way they did right now? No. Okay. When you have quarterbacks with these type of talents, and I'm talking about the Lamar Jackson of the world, I'm talking about the Joe Burrows of the world, I'm talking about the Tua's of the world, and I'm talking about the Herberts of the world. When you have talent like this, you understand how hard it is to find a quarterback. And when it comes to those three paying, what's everybody in my, I mean, Anybody got any rough numbers as far as what the contract is going to be for Tua when they ultimately sign him? It was better for the Chargers to be first in that circumstance. Remember what Derwin James signed for last year and then what the safety market ended up creating for itself? It's always better to be first. You can never predict the future. So, no, I don't think that the Chargers should have waited for Justin Herbert's contract. All right, Jake, we're rounding this out. Again, if you have not already done so, please hit that like and subscribe uh, on YouTube. Helps us out a ton. So what are you... What, like, what are you... Like, what's your mindset right now going into this week against the Bears in prime time? Hold on tight. To what? Like, like what are you... like? To whatever you can grab that's going to make <laughs> yourself feel better. All right? Hug your family, hug a, hug a loved one. In Dan's case, he's got a chocolate bar. In my case, I'll have an alcoholic beverage. Just grab something and hold on because there are, it, there's still an NFL season left. <laughs> I know most of us wish that it could be over tomorrow based off of what we're all feeling. But just hold on, and we'll see where the road takes us. Like I, I hope... You know, I, I'm an eternal optimist, and I hope this team turns around. And I, I so badly want this team to succeed. And I would love to have these players, this coaching staff, just rub it into everyone who is doubting them and who has already put the nail in the coffin and has already kind of rode this team off in the sunset. I, I would love that. 
And I, I could see a pathway for that happening. Sure. But that pathway is like a 180 degree turnaround from what you've seen this last six weeks or these last six games. Like weirdly, weirdly, Jake, the Dolphins game was probably the best we've seen this team play. And at the time, people were saying it was awful. Which is wild considering what Tyreek Hill did to you defensively. But yes, if you're talking about contention with a legitimate football con- or you know t- uh, contender for the playoffs in the Dolphins, yeah. You probably would have felt like that type of outcome could have been similar to what we would have seen from in the Kansas City game because the Chargers have historically always played the Chiefs close, even though if they've been on the losing side for a majority of those times. But that's what you would have expected. And it 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 just got worse. So where is where is the switch going to be flipped? Because it's not just going to take a flipping of a switch, in my opinion. There's like 17 switches that yes. have flipped right now. The good teams are able to take that and respond. The Chargers were able to do that after going 0-2. Again, even in a game that they almost lost against the Minnesota they Vikings. Found a way. They found a way. But what has what is going to stop the 32nd ranked defense from continuing passing, passing, yes, thank passing. you. From continuing to give up big plays and allowing wide receivers to just go berserk on them. And tight ends. <laughs> because two week these past two games haven't shown that whatsoever. They have not. You are correct. All right, I think that's gonna do it. This has been a long one. I appreciate everybody. Uh, we appreciate everyone kind of tuning in. We've had a lot of people in this. Uh, Jeremy says, find a good bourbon. Jake, what is your bourbon of choice as of late? As of right now, it is Eagle Rare. It's one of my favorites. I actually just bought a new bottle of that a week ago. Uh, thankfully, when did I actually open that? I actually opened it up on Saturday, believe it or not. Um, I chose not to waste good bourbon on the Chargers <laughs> game to watching it. So I just had a glass of bullet watching that game, which was just fine. But um, yeah, the the liquor cabinet needs to be restocked <laughs> because there's been a lot of consumption this year. Let's just say that. The thing that sucks about all this, Jake, is we have so many giveaways that are just sitting here ready to be given away when this Chargers team decides to win again. Like we have signed Asante Samuel Jr. stuff. We've got signed Tui Tupelotu stuff. We've got Eric Kendrick stuff. We've got Junior Seau stuff. You know what, Dan? We should do the opposite. We should do the opposite. <laughs> because <laughs> this this fan base has suffered long enough. I think actually a giveaway would be great. You do the opposite. You say, until the Chargers win a game, we're going to continue to do giveaways. <laughs> That's how you should spin it. Oh. Hey, maybe we're going to have to. Who knows? Look. Charles says, thanks, guys. I feel a little better. I'm a season ticket holder. I'll be there. Wish me luck. I will be there as well. Prime time under the lights, Sunday night against the Bears. We'll talk about that game later on in the week. Uh, But, Jake, this has been fun. I love these live shows. Uh, This is actually Jake's idea to do it this week. So, shout out to you, my friend. Needed to be done this week. Needed to be done this week. Anything else you want to say to the great friends before we head up on out of here? I, I said it five minutes ago. Hold on to something. <laughs> Hold on to your britches, fam. Uh, for Jake Hafner, Dan Wolkenstein, LAFB, uh, this is Chargers Unleashed. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you soon. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you next on the next Chargers Unleashed.